The big banks warn of a market pullback. The Federal Reserve sees economic growth and is John Deere a buy. This is the Running With The Money podcast. Let's get into it. And the markets are well mixed today. Yes, that's right. They are mixed with the Dow Jones up just 16 points. NASDAQ down nine and the S&P 500 up six. All the while, the rest 2K dropping 1.6% down 36 points. And the VIX, my oh my, collapsing another 5.3% today, all the way down to 17.16. So what is going on in the markets today? Well, a lot of choppy action, a lot of nothing, a lot of flat action, and a lot of mixed results. But what is working today? Well, I'll tell you, Fang. Fang is back. Yes, that's right. Facebook, Apple, Amazon, okay? Netflix and Google, those names leading the pack today, leading the market higher um, in some areas. Now, why are they back? Well, these names have been building bases and they've been largely out of favor for the past six to seven months up until about last week. And now these names are finally getting some love again. So we like to see that. Now, what's going on on the bond side of things? Because you know, you kind of want to know what's going on with bonds. Uh, so we take a look. That was the big fear. Everyone was talking about inflation and bonds just a few weeks ago. And don't forget about inflation because we're going to touch on that today. And I do still believe it's a risk that we need to be watching in the future. I think inflation is going to be a big issue over the next few years. But the U.S. 10-year Treasury yield uh, moving up to 1.67% today. Now, that's just off its highs of 1.74%. Uh, so it's down a bit. But if we take a look at it, it has gone from just in the past six months, say if we go back to the beginning of this year, uh, at the you know the first of the year, right around there, it was at like 1.1%. Uh, now it's all the way up at 1.67% and it continues to move to the upside. The trend is still to the upside. So that is definitely something to watch there. Now getting into what the Federal Reserve has been saying, the Federal Reserve minutes were released today. And there was a lot to talk about, um, but there's a few key parts that we need to pay attention to. So if we take a look, um, the Fed did note in their meetings from earlier the uh, earlier last month, they said, you know, they see progress being made, um, you know, in the economy, but they see a lot of progress in the future to get to pre-COVID levels. They see that it's going to take quite a while for the economy to recover. Now, they did say that the $120 billion in bonds being purchased per month by the Federal Reserve is substantially... That's quoted substantially um, supporting the economy. Now, when will their easy policy, when will the Fed's policy um, of keeping rates low, of literally, you know, I would say in essence, keeping the economy um, uptight, uh, boosted, when are those policies going to start to be, you know, taken down? Um, and they said, you know, sometime, it'll be sometime, quote, before the ultra easy policy is let off. So quite a while. And they've continued to note, note that um, in the previous meetings they've had just in the past few months, they have said it's going to be years before that ultra easy policy is finally going to be starting to like taken off. So that is something to note. Now, the Fed did note that they are targeting inflation around 2% by the end of the year. So, you know, we could see bonds continue to move higher. We could see inflation continue to grow as more of an issue. But they also raised their guidance here. Now, the Fed raised its economic growth and inflation outlook, um, now expecting GDP in 2021 to be roughly 6.5% growth. And then unemployment could fall to 4.5%. But what a lot of people are paying attention to here, and this is why we talked about those bond yields 
we are talking about here, inflation could run up the 2.2% according to the Fed. So that is something to note there. So they're saying in their guidance that inflation could outpace their target. And that is somewhat of a worry to me. Um, and if inflation becomes more of an issue, which I think it will if the government continues to spend, especially if the Biden administration gets their $3 trillion spending package that is rumored to be dropping soon on top of their $2 trillion infrastructure package. If all of that comes together, it's going to be you know roughly $5 trillion in spending of money that the U.S. really doesn't have. And that's going to significantly contribute to inflation, especially as the economy is already roaring back as the Fed is propelling it upwards, supporting it. Um, you know, you could see some major inflation issues and investors like Michael Burry and many other economists have warned, have warned of hyperinflation in the future if the government continues to print and the Fed continues to back the economy as heavily as they are. Now, um, we have a lot of notes out of the big banks today, but before we get into that, I want to talk about what are the analysts saying? What are the biggest calls on the street today? Now, there were a ton, but one that stuck out to me was waste management. Goldman Sachs initiated it as a buy. I 100% agree. If you take a look at waste management, it's an excellent company. Go to runningwiththemoney.com. A breakdown was just dropped on it, I believe, within the last two weeks. So excellent breakdown there on waste management, but it's a remarkable company making a 52-week high today. I think it continues to move higher. If we take a look at the stock, you know, in the past three months, it's up 12 0.44%. They have consistent earnings growth. I like this company. They're doing a lot with renewable energy, which I really do like, and I think it's a very interesting play there. Now, Morgan Stanley named Simon Property a top pick. I like that as well. Why do I like Simon Property? Well, I'll tell you. Simon Property is one of those economic recovery plays, one of those comeback plays. It's been recovering as the economy has been recovering. If you take a look at the one-year chart here, you can see that, you know, it's at 117 um, just at the end of last year. So just, you know, four or five months ago, it was sitting right around just under 100, about 78 to 80. So I do like Simon Property long term. I think it continues to do well. They did not suspend their dividend. They've maintained their strong dividend, which I like. And real estate tends to do better under high inflationary environments, which I believe we will get. And a lot of economists believe we will get um, now. Uh, the last analyst call that I pulled out of today was Tesla. We have to talk about Tesla. Morgan Stanley named Tesla a key infrastructure beneficiary um, and named it a top pick because of that. And I really do think that Morgan Stanley is onto something here. If you take a look at the infrastructure package that the Biden administration just released, they are saying, um, and there's a lot of money in this package going to electric vehicle development and in all likelihood, Tesla is going to be a huge beneficiary of that. And I do believe Tesla is the leader in the EV space. I think they're going to continue to be. Um, and, you know, I really take a look at the auto industry. And what do I see right now? I see GM. I see Ford. I see all those, all these older auto companies. Um, they're behind. They're behind Tesla. And not only that, but they're copying Tesla. I mean, the new GM EV Hummer. I I firmly believe Tesla came out with the Cybertruck and GM looked at that, you know, in the release and they said, okay, let's just take that, copy the whole entire concept of it and put a GM spice touch to it and make it look like a GM with badges. I literally believe that's what they were going for with it because it is insane. The amount of similarities in the features between them and, you know, the companies are just behind Tesla. Tesla is ahead and I think Tesla is going to stay ahead and Tesla, I believe is the future of the EV industry and I don't think really anyone else 
else compares at this moment. Now, there are some others out there, but right now, there are a lot of EV companies that are saying they're going to do this and they're going to do this. And I have told you a thousand times, when it comes to EV companies, it is insanely hard to scale manufacturing. Insanely hard. You know, if you take a look at the big auto companies, um, besides Tesla, which other auto company has scaled within the past, you know, quite a bit of years? You know, there's not a lot. There's not a company that went from zero to Ford or GM level, as did Tesla, and Tesla's still not there, but they're getting closer. There's not a company that's done that. And if you take a look at Tesla's path, it takes billions of dollars to scale. It takes years to scale. Um, And all of these EV companies are going to have to do that same thing. So it's going to be a tough path for those companies. And, you know, you've gotten a lot of news out on some of them that they say they're out one year out from manufacturing. And it turns out they're four years out from manufacturing. So when it comes to EV companies, I like Tesla. It's my number one pick. Probably right behind it is GM. The only reason I say that is because GM is still going to be successful, even if they're a copycat of Tesla. Um, They're still going to be successful in the EV space. And I firmly do believe that EVs are the future of the auto industry. So GM is definitely my second runner up in the EV space. Neo, you could throw into the running, but that's over in China. Um, And, you know, I, I'm interested to see how the Chinese um, handle the Tesla Neo combination there. It's going to be interesting to see. But overall, enough of the EV talk. Tesla is going to be a huge beneficiary of the infrastructure package if it is passed. So that's definitely something to watch. Now, city market strategist. Their top strategist noting today in warning of the market saying that, you know, I'm seeing similarities between 1999, the dot-com bubble, and now. Um, He said, quote, there's a 1999 perspective being noted with pressure for fund managers to participate in rising share prices, even if there's also a recognition that it could end badly. And that was Citi's chief U.S. equity strategist, Tobias, I believe it's Lakonovich, um, And he told clients that, you know, just within the past 48 hours. So I see that and that, um, you know, it's a bit fearful. I somewhat agree with him Uh, when it comes to the overall market. There's a lot of similarities between 1999 and now. And a lot of huge investors have been noting that we saw Warren Buffett kind of imply that Um, we saw his right hand man somewhat imply that we saw Michael Berry somewhat imply that we're seeing these huge legendary investors warning that things are getting a bit out of hand. Gunlatch has warned about this. Um, You know, there's a lot of similarities. Now, some will argue it's not the same and in many aspects it's not. But in that aspect, it is where fund managers are participating in these insane valuations because the market continues to move to the upside, even though, and everyone's participating in it, that we know that everything is extremely elevated and could come down like an elevator very quickly. Now, he also said, quote, sediment is in very worrisome territory as is valuation, yet money flows continue to push indices higher. Huge fiscal stimulus and support central banks have created the notion of there being no need for risk averse. So in essence, he is noting that investors have gotten so comfortable with this market that they're comfortable investing at these insane levels because the Fed is backing the market. The government is backing the market and money continues to flow into the market. And as long as that continues to happen, the market can continue to push these insane valuations even higher. Now, he also said on a final note, quote, the investment community is too upbeat in our opinion, showing a showing it not showing any concern 
for plausible tax increases being proposed by the Biden administration. Now, this was the most important note out of the whole entire article I read about this warning from city's market, top market strategist. This was the most important note. The investment community is too upbeat in our opinion, not showing any concern for plausible tax increases being proposed by the Biden administration. If I look to the future, what are the catalysts to propel this market higher? I don't see many. Um, the economic recovery, but names, many names have already, you know, bought into. They've already priced in the economic recovery. And then on the other side of things, you know, are tech names going to start the rally again? They're still at valuations that are highly elevated. Now, that's a broad, you know, that's a broad brush I'm using there when I say our tech names going to rally again. Valuations are extremely overextended there. Now, when you think about growth names, think about these tech names. Higher valuations are understandable and they should be higher because they're seeing strong growth. They're seeing, you know, 100% revenue growth, 50% revenue growth, EPS growth. They're seeing margins improve. They're seeing gross profit significantly jump. So with growth comes a higher valuation because that higher valuation is already pricing in or in essence, growth is eventually going to catch up with that higher valuation. But when you take a look at some of these other companies, these industrial names like Honeywell, like GE, trading at higher multiples, it doesn't make much sense because they're not having 50% revenue growth, okay? They're not having insane growth. They're just a steady name the hold that goes with the flow of the economy. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this all goes. But if I take a look to the future, what catalysts do I see? I don't see many upside catalysts for this market and the economy. What I do see is a lot of downside catalysts, higher taxes on corporations, you know, we noted it in the last episode and the previous one. If you look at a lot of major studies, they all indicate that higher taxes lead to slower economic growth. And if the Democrats throw those on, and this is not the bash on any political party, but higher taxes, okay, are going to be a major issue. If, especially if they put them on in the midst of a recovery, it's not going to make much sense. So that is definitely an issue there. And I don't think the market would like higher taxes whatsoever. Now, Deutsche Bank also warned of a market pullback. They said, quote, as growth peaks over the next three months, we expect discretionary investors to pair their positioning from extremely elevated levels and see retail investors as unlikely to buy the dip. Using the historical experience as a guide argues for a near 6% pullback pullback if growth flattens out over the next peak a bigger 8.4% pullback on an inverted V in growth. Now, that was said by strategist Binky Chadha from Deutsche Bank. Now, what were they implying here? Well, they were talking about the ISM, the Manufacturing Index. And what Deutsche Bank, and I tweeted the article that this came from, what Deutsche Bank is basically saying here is that the market tends to peak with the manufacturing indexes. And manufacturing indexes are starting in the peak and not only that they're at all-time highs and the market is at all-time highs what they are implying here is that in all likelihood you could see a pullback in the markets very soon and a lot of multiples are going with that if you want to check out the rest of that article and all the data behind that about the ism and the correlation with the overall market go to my twitter page i have linked the article within the past two hours go check it out it's a market watch article it's definitely something you should read up on but what i am seeing here is the ism correlation with the overall market and they correlate on peaks. So in all likelihood, if the ISM starts to peak and the market looks like it's starting to peak, we're probably going to get a pullback here in the near future. Now, we noted that the FANG names are bouncing, but what else is doing well? These recovery names. And John Deere falls right 
into it. So we're going to talk about John Deere. A lot of you asking about John Deere or Deere and Company, and we have to talk about it because it is a name that I have surprisingly missed here. If we take a look at Deere, it's one of those names that came out of nowhere and has all of a sudden become very popular. But if you take a look at the one-year chart, excellent performance here out of Deere. In fact, if we take a look at the one-year performance, it's up 162%, and we're going to dig into the company and figure out why. Now, John Deere, ticker sign DE, is a major equipment company that operates through three segments, three core segments, agriculture and turf, financial services, and construction and forestry. According to Deere's Investor Relations, uh, the company, quote, will deliver intelligent connected machines and applications that will revolutionize production systems in agriculture and construction. Now, breaking the John Deere stock price down, breaking John Deere stock price down, according to Trefus at Trefus Data, 60.9% of the stock price is based on the agriculture and turf equipment segment. Furthermore, 23.6% of the stock price is based on the construction and forestry segment. 14.6% is based on financial services. 1% of the stock price is based on a on, quote, unconsolidated equipment affiliates, and 7.5% is representative of net of debt. Now, of late, John Deere has become a hot name, as we talked about. It's moved up 37% in just the past few months. And, you know, we take a look at the overall market here, and this is one of those names that is very much following the correlation of the industrials. It's moving up as the economy recovers. Now, revenues grew significantly, but first we got to get into the EPS. So, digging into the numbers, John Deere delivered a Q1 2021 beat with an EPS of $3.87, much better than the analyst EPS consensus estimate of $2.17. Now, on a year-over-year basis, EPS, it improved by 137%. Yeah, 137%. Freaking insane. Now, revenues grew significantly as well, with net revenues totaling $9.112 billion for Q1, representing a 19% improvement in revenues on a year-over-year basis. Net income also improved significantly, more than doubling to $1.224 billion, representing a 137% improvement in net income year-over-year. Now, breaking down earnings further, the equipment operations segment experienced a net sales jump of 20 3% year-over-year, bringing the equipment operations net sales to $8.051 billion. Now, furthermore, operating profit for the equipment operations segment totaled $1.30 billion, representing a 196% jump year-over-year in operating profit. Net income skyrocketed as well within that segment by 168% to $1.020 billion. Now, as for the production and precise agriculture segment, the segment turned out $3.069 billion in net sales and increased, that's an increase, of 22% year over year. Now, rounding out all of these segments, all of the earnings numbers, the production and precision agriculture segment um, produced an operating profit of of $643 million. That's up 195% year over year and an operating margin of 8.7%. Got you there. No, 21% increase from 8.7%. Insane numbers. Now, shifting into the balance sheet. We have to talk about um, what is going on here with the balance sheet. What's going on with the balances? What's going on with, you know, the money behind John Deere? Well, total debt, $45.965 billion. Ouch. Total liabilities, $61.397 billion. But total assets, $75.480 billion. And a cash short-term investment level of $6.962 billion. So overall, not bad there. Not terrible, but they could see improvement. Now, on a valuation basis, um, Deere & Company does trade at a premium. It trades at a price to earnings of roughly 34 times. A forward price to earnings just around 20 times. A price to sales around 3 times. A price to book around 8 times. And a price to cash flow right around 16 times. So overall, 
the numbers, they're not terrible, but they could definitely be better when it comes to valuation. Um, everyone wants a you know lesser valuation, a cheaper valuation, um, but I don't think Deere's valuation is insane here. Now, management has been effective as well with a return on equity of 26.6%, a return on assets of 4.75%, and a return on invested capital of 6.90%. Now, given the numbers, the analysts are neutral with a mean price target of $370.81 per share, and that's roughly a 1.71% downside. The high price target gets $430 per share, representing a 13.98% upside, with a low price target, $286 a share, and that's roughly a 23% downside. Now, if we shift into what the big money's saying, what is the big money doing here? 78.26% of John Deere is owned by institutions. Top holders include Cascade Investments, the Vanguard Group, and State Street Global Advisors. Now, if you want a technical breakdown of John Deere, go to runningwiththemoney.com. Under the Analysis tab, you'll see it right on the front page um, in the menu. Click Analysis. It is literally the breakdown that just dropped yesterday, so it should be right at the top there. Click it, um, and you will also get this whole entire breakdown completely free and a technical breakdown of the stock. Now, in short, Deere & Company, ticker sign DE, is a solid company with expanding revenues, strong leadership, and a dividend that pays you to stay for the long term. Overall, Deer, it's a solid company. They have a lot of improving numbers, especially in income and profit, which I like. Revenues continue to grow, and I think as the economy continues to recover, Deer is going to continue to see more business. So I like it. Now, right before we go, right before we leave, we have to talk about what's, you know, what's going on in the overall market, what to look for, and, you know, what's on my watch list. What am I watching. Well, the FANG stocks continue to move to the upside. I still think Amazon's a buy. Anything under 3,200 is a steal. Anything under 3,300, pretty solid. But I really do still like the FANG stocks. They're not terrible, but those are turning green. We want to buy something on the dip. I think you can buy Disney here. Disney is going to continue to move to the upside as Disney Plus grows and the travel industry covers. Boeing the same way. You can buy Boeing here. I think by the end of this year, Boeing is to, you know, I think that stock, if you take a look at Boeing, let's take a look at it right now. If we take a look at Boeing, I think that name is back to 300 by the end of the year. Why? Air travel is going to continue to grow better and people are going to see that as a positive, especially for Boeing. Now, not only that, but orders continue to flow back into Boeing and I like it. And China needs a crap ton of aircrafts over the next 20 years, um, approximately around 8,600 are the estimates. So I do believe by the end of this year, China relations are are going to grow better between the Biden administration and China. And I think you're going to see more orders coming out of China for Boeing aircraft. So I really do like that. And then, you know, management is cutting costs. They figured out throughout COVID-19 and the crisis how to cut costs safely. And not only that, but, you know, most of the crisis when it comes to the MAX 8 is pretty much behind them um, and it's wrapping up. And I do see a lot of positives in Boeing here for the long term. Now, shifting into the broader market, I see how Healthcare names, they haven't been performing the best. So I think you could pick up some solid healthcare names, some more defensive names, AbbVie, Lilly, Bristol Myers, J&J, all solid. When it comes to the financials, the banks, you know, hold the one or two banks for the long term if you really want a bank position. Um, as I've said, my top four, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Wells Fargo, and Bank of America. I like all four of those, and I think they all do well over the long term. Um, when we take a look here at fintech, those fintech names still moving to the upside. Square at 245, it's not terrible, but just a few days ago, it was all the way down near 200. Um, so if we get another pullback, I'm definitely buying Square, maybe even under 200. That would be crazy. Um, but 
PayPal, you know, both are solid. I don't pick between Square or PayPal. If I'm going in on FinTech, I'm buying both, splitting my position 50-50. They're both remarkably solid FinTech plays. Now, when it comes to the semiconductors, Taiwan Semi falling 2% today. That company is a remarkable company. They pretty much run the semiconductor world right now. So, you know, Taiwan Semi currently sitting around 119. Not bad. Um, I think you can buy it. AMD getting a bit of a boost today. That's also a buy still at 82. Anything under 85, you're probably safe on AMD. I think it's a buying opportunity for the long term. A lot of solid names. Um, I take a look at the consumer defensive names, and they're some of the most undervalued names, in my opinion, in the market right now. Walmart, Costco, Target, I like them all. Dollar General, those are all solid names for the long term, and I think they're cheap right now. So definitely some to check out. I don't want you getting in on, you know, the crazy valued right now, sissicles that have ran up insane. Some of them are good, okay? Some are good, some are bad just in anything else in life and in the markets. So what do I want you looking for? I want you looking for deals in the names that do well in high inflationary economic recovery situations. And I want you to be buying tech on the dip when the dips come. Salesforce, a remarkable company. I think they're going to continue to do well. And I think they're going to get that Slack acquisition worked out and it's going to do really well for them. Salesforce, in my opinion, to buy here at 220. If you want it in e-commerce, you know, Shopify, Amazon, two leaders in the space. And if you look at e-commerce penetration and overall U.S. retail, it's hardly anything. So definitely a lot of growth in the future of e-commerce. That is the show. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Running With The Money podcast. We'll be back on Friday with more market analysis, more market news. In the meantime, do your research before you're investing in these stocks. Know where your money is going. Eat, sleep, profit, trade on, and see you then.